the sermon that this morning, but I didn't. Uh, there's a little better title, and it comes with a, a song. And the song kind of goes, here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Be happy. Okay. I love when we get to uh, verses like this. And the Lord Jesus, again, had been instructing us and instructing his children, his people, the children of Israel, on how to perform, how to act if you're going to be one of the people who are a member of his kingdom as Messiah. And Jesus was really giving them a bunch of correction on how they were handling things. And Jesus saying, listen, you're not getting the spirit of this. You guys are you're just doing a couple of things to make yourself look righteous. And he said, that's not what this is about. This is about reflecting the kind of person that I am as Messiah, and you should be as my followers. And we talked about that. We talked about God is more interested in you being who he wants you to be than doing what he wants you to do. Then we talked about if you're going to do, okay, so I'm being the things that, Lord, I'm trying to do it. Now I'm going to start doing things to follow you. And he says, good, if you're going to do those things, make sure you're doing them for me and not for men. And then last week we looked about that Jesus warned us about where your treasures were, about having a proper focus and making sure we're not looking at the things of this world and materialism and, and being distracted by this life. Uh, I, I liked it again this morning. God laid on the heart of Dan to just remind us again that this isn't home. This isn't where we belong. There's a future for us that's not this place. So why would we spend so much effort and time and thought placing uh, things around us in this life that are only temporary, that aren't going to last. Okay? And again, God wants us to be faithful stewards. He wants us to be good parents, good uh, citizens, good employees. All those things is great. He wants us to have a good testimony. But we're not doing it because we're grasping at the things of this life because it gives us some sort of hope. We get hope because of the promises that God has made about an eternal kingdom. Amen? And that's what we're looking for. So with that in mind, we have part two, kind of, of Jesus' message last week. So uh, if we look at the PowerPoint slides, I didn't call it, don't worry, be happy. Uh, it was close. It was real close. Okay? Um, he gives us warnings about worry. Okay, last week we looked about warnings about materialism. And in the first slide just uh, rehearses and just uh, from last week. In the rest of this chapter, Jesus is teaching about the connection between materialism and worry. These two are closely related. When your eyes are focused on things, then it brings you to worry about things. And if we could disconnect from the importance of things, then we won't worry so much about them. Because God will take care of you through every day. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, we are a blessed people in the fact that we do know what's coming. 
we do know that this world is just temporary around us, that this isn't where we put down permanent roots. Yes, Lord, we can have an amazing effect on this uh, life because of sharing the gospel, living out our faith, and Lord, bringing up families in the Lord to continue on the ministry, Lord, to continue to have a generation after generation sharing the gospel. But Lord, this is just a pilgrimage. We're on our way somewhere so much better. And Father, I thank you for that. Even though we can hear Jesus telling us not to worry about the things of this world because they're material, they're temporary, they're just not that important, we do understand, Lord, that they're concerned sometimes of our own. And Lord, we need to make sure we understand the balance that we don't need to worry. Because honestly, well, Lord, worrying is a sin. It's not just a weakness. It's not just a struggle with our mind. It's a lack of trust. And you command us, don't worry. And so, Father, I just pray that uh, you be with my mind, help us to share. I am not going to stand here one moment, Lord, and think that this is beyond my mind to worry. Like I've got this wrapped up tight and I know how to handle it. Lord, there are times in our lives that things come before us and we're tempted to let our minds get out of control and think of the worst possible scenarios and trouble our souls with the thoughts that such and such might happen. And Lord, we don't want to do that. We don't want to be those who worry. Lord, we want to be those who trust. So Father, the Holy Spirit's the teacher. We just happen to have the opportunity to open your word together. So Lord, each one of us can get something from you today and it might be just different honed to each individual but lord give us something today from your word that we can be better servants and lord reflect that this world's not our home we belong to an eternal kingdom father thank you in jesus name amen all right so let's move right along here this morning when we are living our lives to please god then we shouldn't be focused on these earthly things and again, I, I don't know what your earthly thing is that you can worry about. Uh, I happen to just been doing a lot of mechanicing on some vehicles, so that's fresh in my mind. But you know what? Uh, if my car breaks down tomorrow, does that affect my life in heaven? My destiny for the future as a person of God? That's a weird way to put that. As a Christian, as a believer... Listen, my salvation and my growth in the Lord is not hinged upon my vehicle. How about you? Okay. My favorite comfy lounge chair that my brother bought me a few years ago that's just this wonderful big giant marshmallow of a chair that I can just plunk in, you know, and it start, oh, there's spring broke on one side and this thing happened on the other side. It's going back. You know what? That makes absolutely no difference in how I can be a believer, does it? So in our minds, as we're thinking about this, what, what, what is something that you might be concerned about that's an earthly thing? Does it really hang on eternity? We can't take it with us, right? Now, granted, I do understand that God has given us certain things to make our ability to witness for him better. That's why we all drive vehicles. Because anymore in our culture, it's very hard to do anything without being able to get somewhere. 
Okay, it used to be that uh, cultures were much closer and that, uh, you know, you'd maybe not even travel more than seven miles in your whole lifetime. Because getting on the horse-drawn carriage, you wouldn't go very far. But now we have a different kind of culture. So certain things aren't ne- are important. You know, I like, uh, again, I'm a person who doesn't mind watching television. Okay, I watch the sports games. I watch the f- uh, Food Network. Okay, I haven't gotten so old yet that I keep the Weather Channel on 24-7. Uh, but some folks, oh no, if it isn't Jeopardy and uh, Wheel of Fortune, it's the Weather Channel, right? But I know Jake Wyman doesn't even have a TV anymore. You know, he's so much more spiritual than me because he doesn't have a television. Now, he may be a lot more spiritual than me because he doesn't waste hours watching a television. Because it's what you do with what you have that's important. Jesus warned us, be careful of the material things. Because really, if we're going to use them for the Lord, this thing right here in my pocket can be a wonderful tool. I can send out emails, I can send out encouraging texts, I can keep touch with people who are, I get quite a few of them are missionary emails right here on this phone. I can see them whenever they pop out. But at the same time, I can sit here watching TikTok and playing games for six hours a day. Yeah. It depends on how you use it. Remember, it's the focus. It can be a tool to serve the Lord, or it can be something that draws our focus away from God. God's trying to remind us of that. Be careful with these earthly things. Now, remember, the love of money, the possessions, is the root of all evil, right? And we talked about evil, and this is where I want to bring back to this just for a moment. It is striving for worthless, corrupt, hurtful, wicked things. Right? This thing isn't evil, but it can be evil, can it? Because it could cause me to strive for useless, worthless, corrupt, wicked things. Just like your car. Just like a pocket full of cash. None of those things are evil in themselves, but they can cause you to seek something that's going to cause you great difficulty. We're going to pick it up from there, all right? So let's keep going. So he remind us about the warnings of materialism. So he asked the questions, and this is just a review from last week. Where's your treasures? Earth and heaven. Do you have the wrong focus? God or other things? And then who's your master? Who are you trusting in? All right, that's where this is all review, because I told you this is part two. We can't get into what he's about to say about worry until we're reminding ourselves what Jesus is putting out there in front of our, you know, here's the thought. Now, why are you worrying? Because if your focus is on heaven, if your uh, focus is on God, if you're trusting in the Lord, why worry? Okay, keep going. So some effects of worry. I already wrote this one before I had heard about what Gaynor told me this morning. Uh, His daughter, who has been struggling with some health issues, is now struggling with a lot more because one of her closest friends overdosed. There are a lot of people who self-medicate with very unhealthy things because of worry. Now, you may look and say, well, Pastor, I'm not picking up fentanyl laced cocaine or marijuana or anything else Uh, i'm not going to get lost in the bottle but i do know that human beings tend to gravitate toward 
addictive things when they're worried because they want to forget. They'd rather put aside the thoughts and the worry and the concerns as opposed to laying down and giving them to God and releasing them. So I've got to ask you right up front, do you have an addiction? I told you, like mine, growing up, I'll just be honest with you. Now, it doesn't seem like it's that dangerous, but television, okay, uh, there are times, thank the Lord, God's helped me to deal with this, but I would come home from a hard day of work and go, I just need to sit down in front of the TV for a little while. Why? Because that was my escape. I would plunk down, turn something on, and drive my wife crazy because I watched seven shows at the same time flipping back and forth. She said, how can you keep track of what's going on? We couldn't DVR them back then. We couldn't rewind them back then. Just flipping back and forth. No, wait. This is the best part. You've seen it 20 times. Oh, go on. Some of us, what is it? Be careful now, Craig. Be careful now. Some of us can't get our stuff together unless we have three or four cups of coffee. That I can't approach the day. I, I, I just can't deal unless. Again, sometimes we've got to remember. Now again, if you're drinking coffee, I'm not telling you to stop drinking coffee. I'm just saying there are times where worries and tough things in the, the ominous mountain of today that's before me, I'm not going to be able to handle unless I get on my knees and get in God's Word. Is there something that you and I are addicted to? I know most of you, I'm hoping you're, you know, not popping pills. What are some other things? So many people struggle with, next part, many people have mental issues because of worry. I'm not a psychologist, but I've been there in my own life where worry can have such an effect on your mind that it's difficult to function on a daily basis. This is something that is absolutely devastating in our world right now. You know, there are so many people who claim that they have an issue with depression in their lives. And most of the time it comes from a place of worry. That I'm not good enough, that I don't have what I need, that it just... But not only that, next part, so many people have physical issues. You could make yourself physically ill in multiple areas of your life from worry. I think when Jesus was hitting this one, he knew exactly what the problem was and how to deal with it. So now, that's a heavy list. Now I want to bring you back to... Don't worry. Be happy. Because you know what? Worry can be something that absolutely stifles you in your life. It can cause you to seek things you don't need to seek. It can cause you to have issues in your mind that you can't get past. It can cause you physical issues that can just totally sideline you.
So how do we deal with it? Well, I'm glad you asked, because God tells us how to deal with it. Keep going. Many believers in churches, church leaders, pastors, missionaries have this same issue. Now, I wanted to back that up because sometimes we think, oh, those people out there who don't have Lord to trust in, who don't have Jesus in their heart, they have problems with worry. Well, I guarantee you there are people sitting in this very room that have problems with worry. And if you don't have problems with worry, it's there waiting for you. Now, many of us can put our trust in the Lord, but that little voice that's inside this flesh wants to worry. The devil wants to keep you distracted. It's there. So thank the Lord if you're a person that says, I don't really have a whole lot of worries. Well, good for you. Some others in the faith still do and still struggle with it. Keep going. Now, I want you to understand something. This is not about doctrine. Okay, we're not talking, Jesus is not teaching something about faith and about truth and about long-time eternal foundations of our faith. He's talking about where is our focus. Jesus just went through a whole list of things with the Pharisees and stuff and saying, listen, they think they're righteous because they do this. It's not about that. But Jesus says, you know what? If your focus is going to be this world, the people in this world, impressing them and doing all... You're going to lose your focus. It is about focus. Where are we trusting? Because if God will take care of you, then God will take care of you. Right? We'll try that again, just to let it sink in. If God will take care of you, then God will take care of you. Now, does that mean he's going to take care of you the way you want to be taken care of? Or the way he wants to take care of you? I think back to when my children were young. There were many times that mom and dad took care of the kids, but it wasn't exactly what they wanted to be taken care of. Because we had a plan, we had a design. Man, if a certain one of our children wanted to be taken care of that per, uh, his way, he'd, he'd had ice cream every meal. We don't do that, do we? Sometimes we don't necessarily understand why God's doing it, but he is taking care of us. Keep going. Notice the time that God uses. So I want to read the passage finally. We did all this by intro, but I want you, to, as we're reading this, to notice the thing where Jesus mentions taking thought. Okay, you with me for chapter 6? Look at verse 25. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or drink, nor yet for your body, what ye should put on. Is not life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are not ye, or are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add a cubic unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is cast into the oven... Shall he not much more clothe you, 
O ye of little faith. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought of itself, or for, uh, excuse me, for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You see how many times in this short passage Jesus says, taking thought? Well, the definition by the, by the Greek words means to be anxious about, to be full of care. Uh, we would say careful means worried. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. Jesus over and over in this passage says, don't worry about these things. Are you going to get any benefit from worrying? Listen, if you could add an inch to your stature by worrying, I'd be a professional basketball player. Worrying gets nothing good in our lives. And that's what Jesus is trying to put forth to us, right? Though all through five of those verses, he says, watch out about your worry. Don't need to. Okay, now, we'll keep going, because there's cool stuff here. Okay, the same word used in Philippians 6, the same Greek word, be careful. Same word. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and thanksgiving, in everything, by prayer and thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. This is a command. So was the one in Matthew. He doesn't say, oh, by the way, you may not want to take thought. He says, take no thought. Here, he says, be careful for nothing. This isn't like, well, you you probably shouldn't be anxious about that. He said, stop! Why are you doing it? This isn't a suggestion, a gentle nudge. This is a command. Don't do it. It's so hurtful. Okay, keep going. Where should our focus be? So we just looked. Be careful for nothing, but by everything in prayer and supplication, make, let your requests be made known unto God. So we're not going to worry. We're not going to have care. We're not going to take thought over these things. And he continues in Philippians to say, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We always jump on this verse and say, Oh, you can have a peace of God that passes understanding. Well, how do you have a peace of God when you have to, that, uh, passes understanding? By being careful for nothing. You can have a peace of God when you're not worried. If you're worried, you're not going to have peace of God. Because worried is not part of a true believer's life. Trust is. It goes on. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, I love this. He didn't say that the thing to be concerned about disappears, did he? Be careful for nothing, but 
whatever it is that you're thinking about being worried about, take that and offer it by prayer and thanksgiving and supplications by God, with God, and then train your brain. My wife and I, in the early in marriage, we started calling it this, building castles in the sky. Right? We're, we're about to head on a camping trip. We're leaving this afternoon for a little while. We're going to try to bring the dog with us and go tenting. Oh, it's going to be fun. And now you know what I could do? Well, what if the car breaks down on the way there? And then how are we going to reload all the stuff? And what are we going to do with the dog? And then if that happens, i got to pay money to fix it. And what do you, None of that's happened yet. Okay, you can build castles in the sky. You can begin to be anxious about things that aren't even real. Beside the things that are real. Well, God says, you know what? It's training your brain. If you got something that you could be careful, worried, taking thought for, go to God in prayer, and then think on these things. Well, what happens if honest, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. The cure to worry is where's your focus? It's amazing to me that a person who will call up on the phone being worried about something and they say, I'm going to go to God, talk to him, I'll see them Sunday. And it's the same, same circumstances, not a, not a thing has changed. And on the phone they were like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you get to see them on Sunday and they're like, oh yeah, well I know God's going to take care of it. Same circumstances, not anything has changed except their mind and how they've looked at it. We can trust the Lord. All right, keep going. The last verse in this passage. And those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. You know what I, uh, the verse from last week where it says tribulation worketh patience and patience works experience and experience works hope paul's saying you know what you've seen what i've been through in my life and if you weren't in sunday school you can go ahead and rewind it get the tape dan was quoting from philippians and different places giving us passages of the things that paul and timothy had been through together well, Paul's saying, listen, if there's anybody who has some worries, a guy who's been thrown into prison a bunch of times, beaten, left for shipwreck, left for dead, okay, stripes and imprisonments and all the things that Paul lists out, he says, and the things that you have both heard and received and learned in me do. Paul says, I've been through a lot and I've learned to trust the Lord. Think on these things. All right, keep going. Notice, I like this, and all these things shall be added unto you, right? We've just read that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all, oh man, all these things, all what things? A new car, big house, fancy suits, okay? Jesus just got done saying, have you considered the birds? that they don't have to worry about their food? Having considered the lilies, that they don't have to worry about their clothes? 
and all these things shall be added unto you. Sometimes our list of worries, because we're getting too material, begins to drag us in the wrong direction. Look at this next verse. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Right? God, being content. Paul says, listen, I, I, I've learned how to be abased, and I've learned how to abound. I know what it's like to suffer need, and I know it's, what it's like to have plenty. And he says, you know what? I've learned whatsoever state I am in, therewith I'll be content. But I want you to pick up on this. Wherefore, we brought nothing into this world, it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, that's something to eat and something to wear, let us be there with content. Now again, I'm not telling you that we need to go out and be monks, sell everything we own, and wear just what we have on our back. God understands us. God gives us the desires of our heart, and he treats us with abundance. But did you see what he's saying? Jesus, in this passage, this very famous passage, Sermon on the Mount, focuses on food and clothes. The Apostle Paul, probably the greatest influence in Christianity, other than God himself, says, you know what, I've learned with food and clothing, I'm content. But, but, but where do you live, Paul? Doesn't matter, I'm content. What do you drive? What kind of cell phone you got? Oh, that's still the Galaxy S9? Dude, you're so behind. Paul says, you know what? Jesus says, you know what? Food and raiment, and all these things shall be added unto you. See, there's a prosperity gospel out there that tries to remind us over and over and over and have us focus so much about the things of this world, the treasures here, and that if you don't have all these things, you're not a blessed Christian. Well, my Savior right here says, listen, God's taking care of the birds and he's taking care of Sol- uh, uh, excuse, excuse me, the lilies better than Solomon ever dressed. What are you worried about? You got food and clothing. The Apostle Paul here says, listen, you know what? You've learned and seen and heard in me a lot of things. And you know what I've learned? I'm content with food and raiment. All those other things are great, but they don't make that much difference. Okay, keep going. Materialism. Right after this, he's telling Timothy, Dan's done with 1 Timothy, so I'm all set here. That's stealing his thunder. But they that would be rich... They would be rich. Right? They that will be rich, they're trying their hardest to come, become wealthy. Fall into the temptation and snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some covet after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Please don't fall into the trap that is an earmark of Western culture and it's creeping into Eastern culture that you must have the next biggest and best. That 
I just made a joke about a minute ago, you know, that Galaxy S9. Well, I've got to get, I have to get a newer phone. I just have to. Okay, I bought a brand new phone from Apple six months ago, and they released a new one now, and I've got to get the next one. Or this car, you know, we've gotten to the point where we don't buy them anymore. We just lease them for two years so that in two years I can get the next do big, bigger and better. When he says, those that will be rich, that's a focus of the mind. If that's what you're desiring for. There was a young lady here in the church many years ago who we were standing in the back talking about this, and she just looked at me and said, I just want to be popular. And I said, why? That's your goal, to be popular? I just want to be able to serve the Lord the way he wants me to. All these other things, as long as it keeps me in food and clothes, sometimes more food than clothes. Keep going. So Jesus gives us three answers to worry. Number one, submit to God. Right? As he starts off and says, take no thought in verse 25, he says, therefore, I say. Now, we've learned this before, right? If it says therefore, you've got to look why it's therefore, right? So you look back to verse 24 and says, no man can serve two masters. You can only have one. Either it's God, and we looked at mammon, that doesn't necessarily always mean money. We talked about that it meant, who are you putting your trust in? You can put your trust in God, or you can put your trust in anything else. Your family, stock market, your job, your hobbies, your health, your dashing good looks. So the answer was, therefore, take no thought. He said, don't worry if you have the right master. If you're submitted to God and you're working for him and you're worried about what he thinks and what he wants and not what men think, then it's pretty easy not to be worried. I, uh, we had some relationships in our family where we had to let, uh, laugh, my wife and I. There are times when we have bought clothing at Walmart. Anybody here buy clothing at Walmart? Yeah, everything you're wearing, right? But there are certain people that were put into our circle and uh, that wouldn't dare shop at Walmart. They had at least shop at Target. Move up the chain one link. Okay. What? You're wearing a dress shirt that didn't cost you $75? Please. Now, I'm, I'm just, we, I don't know if you've ever encountered that in your family, but people that look down at you because of the clothing that you're wearing because of what name was on it or where it came from. Is that a Gucci bag? Last time I checked, if it holds things, it's still a bag. Okay, now I'm not saying we can't have good stuff, but I just need to be, want, remind us that we live in a society that tends to value people by the value of the things that they have. And it's dangerous. 
And we have to make sure we don't get caught up to that. You need to be submissive to God, not your peers, not the television, not the ads on... Because we always begin to think it's not good enough. And we need to learn to be content. Keep going. Now this is the one I love more than anything. And I don't know if you noticed this morning, I picked songs that kind of focused on God's love for us. If we would just remember how much he cares for us. You know, I've said before many times that I would love to go back to the days where I was living at home with mom and dad. Now there's certain things you had to not do, right? You couldn't make your own decisions. But sometimes it's not such a bad thing, right? But when I got up every morning, there was food in the fridge. And if I flipped the switch on the wall, the lights came on. And heat was coming out of the vent. And I could go outside and somebody would jump in our car and drive me to school. I didn't have a whole lot of worries back then. Because I trusted my parents and how much they loved me. I knew that they were going to do their best to take care of me. Now, if I can have that kind of trust in my earthly parents, why can't I have that kind of trust in my God? Well, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. And God's up there going, child, I'll take care of you. But I don't understand. That's okay. I didn't always know how hard it was and how much my father and mother had to work to make sure there was food and heat and electricity and all those things. I just knew they did. And I knew if something exactly wasn't right that they were probably going to do everything they could to fix it. And they would put me to bed and I would hear sometimes like you and I used to do and maybe your children have done it too. They would be having some of those conversations about money and some of the things that they need to wear and they don't know the kids are still awake and listening. And you realize how much your parents make efforts to keep you out of all the headache and heartache that sometimes comes with life. And we'll thank our parents for that kind of effort in our lives. But sometimes we have a hard time connecting with God with that effort. He loves us. Look what it says he does. Can God, if God can take our care of all these things, Right? He can take care of those ones he loves. If he knows where each and every sparrow on this planet's getting its food, and each and every flower, and every blade of grass that I mowed the other day and too short and burnt half of my grass, God knows every part of it. He takes care of it. Why wouldn't he take care of his children? Right? Okay, uh, keep going. Can you grow by worrying? I already told you. If this was the case, I'd have been worried because I'd play professional basketball. I'd have stopped worrying at about seven foot two. You know, that would have been a good height. No, you can't grow an inch by worrying. Keep going. Works won't do it. God says, hey, do you consider the grass, the lily? They don't toil, that'll work. There's nothing you and I can do that is going to 
derail or redirect God's plan in our life in the situations that we're in. Next part. Worry shows little faith. Right in the midst of all this encouragement that God's saying, listen, I take care of the lilies, I'll feed you, I'll clothe you, I'll do that. Don't, and he says, oh ye of little faith. Now, I don't know about you, but that stings. We, uh, I didn't plan it this way, but Dan in Sunday school mentioned the fact that we need to be keeping our faith and our zeal and keep working on it, keep building it, keeping it fresh, keeping it. It's sting to know that if you're worried about things in this life that really don't make that much difference, Jesus himself says we are of little faith. I don't like to be told I have little faith. Do you? We just talked about the, well, what's the word, Dan? Faith, faith that Timothy had? I just lost it. That's the one that I wasn't going to say that one, but the English word was unfeigned. Thank you. He said, I remember your unfeigned faith. That, was, that you learned from your grandma, you learned from your mom, it, and it's in you now. Man, I'd much rather be known as having unfeigned faith than, oh, ye of little faith. Jesus, why are you worried about all this material stuff, you little faith people? Keep going. God will provide. Therefore, take no thought what you shall eat or what you shall drink or wherewithal you shall be clothed. Philippians 4, 19, For my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Jesus is saying, what are you worried about? And this is the thing that we've said many times before. It's been preached over and over in services and things. If God is asking you to do something in this life for him, he will give you everything you need to accomplish it. But, 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 but... I might be in prison. You might. The Apostle Paul wrote a lot of his books that had a lot of this great information from prison, including this one where it says, my God shall supply all your need. (laughs) He's not living in a mansion somewhere. It's this. Whatsoever things are honest and pure, think on those things. We need to train our brains. Well, this is where I wanted to be. Well, that's all right. That's where God's got you, and he'll take care of you. Yes? Keep going. The Father knows just what we need. Did you see that in verse 32? It says, For the heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. He knows more what we need than we do how many of you in your life have had all of a sudden you got something that god gave you and you didn't know why what in the world is this for and then just right around the corner all of a sudden god presents an opportunity and you only know exactly why he gave you that thing sometimes it's a uh, uh, we i've had people we have never been able to be in this situation that just came across an extra vehicle yeah, they had a loved one pass and everything. Now they got a vehicle in their home that nobody knows what they're doing with. And, you know, you want it? I don't want it. You don't want it. 
And the next day at church, next Sunday at church, all of a sudden somebody's vehicle broke down and they're without a vehicle. And God provided that family with, what do we need another car for? I don't want it. I don't want to pay the insurance on it. And it wasn't a couple days later that they realized, oh, God gave us a vehicle so that we can provide it for somebody else. Remember we read last week, God knows what we have need before we ask. He knows. We got to trust him. Why do we have need? It's just a little commercial here. Wouldn't it be, in God's picture, if I was God, and now you're a Christian, I'd take away all your heartaches, all your headaches, all your backaches, you know, you'd be, you know, be, put a big S on your chest, you know, and you'd be a superhero so that everybody around you would notice, there's a Christian, I want to be one of those because they become superheroes. Wouldn't that make sense? But that would make us self-sufficient. God brings needs into our lives because he wants to remind us how much we need him. So when it says, my God shall supply all your need, God brings needs so that you go to God because you need him. I still love it. There's one of my favorite mental pictures is the thunderstorms. When all of a sudden, crash, bam, and there's a storm and everything. And my wife and I, who are in our beds, the two of us, all of a sudden are in the bed with three other people. Because all of a sudden it's scary and they need mom and dad. God brings things into our lives to remind us of our dependence upon him. What an amazing thing God does. He says, I want you to be close. I want you to depend on me. I'll take care of you. I'll give you everything you need. Just stay close to me. And to keep us from drifting away, he brings needs into our lives so that it'll draw us back to him. Wouldn't it be great if we you know, call down fire from heaven like Elijah and part the waters like Moses and all those cool things? But God makes us seek him. He gives us everything we need. We just got to go to our God to get it. Remember where it's from. Again, like when I was a little kid, I didn't have to worry about those things. Mom, can I have a snack? Mom, open the cupboard and there was snack. God had already provided it. But... You know the old kid who packs his little suitcase because he's going to run away from home. And he walks out on the street, but he just continues walking around the same block. He's not allowed to cross the street. But all of a sudden his little tummy starts growling. He gets a little hungry and he wants a snack and some drink and realizes, hey, that's at home. And comes back home because he knows this is where everything is. Man, if we would just continue. How many times did Jesus say, if you come to me, with the faith of a child. My dad will take care of me. He's always taking care of me. Keep going. Last one. Remember God's promises. Now notice in verse 32, it says, these things do all the Gentiles seek. Now again, just the focus again, Matthew is writing unto Jews. Okay, right at this point in time, God is using the Jewish people to bring Messiah in, to set up exactly what it should, and he's, he goes ahead and says, listen, God's people, the Jews, if anybody should know that God provides, it should be you guys, Israel. This stuff the Gentiles seek, they don't know any better. 
But the focus again here is this picture. But notice this. This is the first time in the book of Matthew, and we dealt with this early in the book of Matthew, that Matthew uses the word kingdom of God, not kingdom of heaven. Okay? This is amazingly important on a doctrinal level. Okay, up until this point, he keeps talking about the kingdom of heaven, which is the physical earthly kingdom, that throne of David that Jesus Christ will someday actually sit on here on this earth. Okay, the kingdom of God is a heavenly throne in which God the Father, Jehovah, sits on at this very moment. These are two specific differences. This is the first time that Matthew says the kingdom of God because he's realizing that this is spiritual blessings, not temporal blessings. This is not earthly, this is heavenly. He's not focused on an earthly kingdom and its promises. He's focused on a heavenly kingdom and its promises. Right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Matthew is being very deliberate here. He's saying, Jews... We're not right now talking about an earthly kingdom that will be set up on this world because he's food and raiment. We're not worried about the, the you know, full kingdom that's going to be set up here with all these nations and worlds and riches. We're talking about a heavenly spiritual mindset. So Matthew deliberately uses kingdom of God here. This is the first time and this is a switch. If you go ahead and look back, we already studied Blessed are the meat peacemakers, for they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. Heaven, blessed are... God, he's done with, dealt with the kingdom of heaven over and over. This is the first time he talks about the kingdom of God, that spiritual heavenly kingdom, because he's trying to remind them where their focus needs to be. Not on the things of this earth, but on something much more important than that. Keep going. The kingdom of God is not these physical things. That's the Jewish kingdom, Romans. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Matthew deliberately changes and says, listen, we're not talking about the kingdom that's going to be established here on this earth. He said, we're talking about the spiritual kingdom. Where is your focus? Treasures in heaven. All right, last little bit. The promise, all these things shall be added unto those who are seeking God's kingdom first. The kingdom of God. If we were focused, if I was focused more on walking through this earth and trying to bring as many people with me to that heavenly kingdom as possible, if I was sharing the gospel and realizing this temporary place that we're looking at as beautiful sunny day as it is right now isn't where i belong and if i can remember to go out in this world and share with the people around me that this isn't where they belong either god's not willing that any should perish but all should come to repentance and the fact that i can get out there and share the gospel and point them to the one who could deliver them from this corrupt world then why would my focus be on anything else than the stuff that's ahead in the kingdom? And again, please, don't go crazy. 
we swing the pendulum. Oh, I can't ask somebody over for a barbecue because, you know, that's focusing on the things here on this earth and I don't want to do that. No, we build relationship. God wants us to have a joyful, abundant life. But we remember that inviting somebody to go bowling or fishing or have a barbecue, that's great. But we should be inviting them to spend the rest of the time in the same place that you and I get a chance to spend the rest of our life. And that's in glory someday. That's why it says, if you seek first the kingdom of God. So just to give an illustration, if I were a believer and asked Jesus in my heart, but I spent my entire life not worried about telling anybody about Jesus, only working to get my big house and my big cars and all my toys and everything else, are all these things going to be added unto me? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. That's a promise. If I'm living for the Lord and seeking him first, then God says, I'm going to add things. But the flip side of that coin, if I'm not, then he's probably not. Just a reminder of where's our focus? Now, that doesn't mean we have to change one thing in our lives about, oh, you know, we got that extra car in the garage. We should probably sell it because it's just temporal, you know, mil- material, <coughs> material thing and we don't need it. Listen, God loves to give his children bountiful blessings. But it's all about this. One last thing. Keep going. Today, was that it? Push the button. Ah. One more I wanted to put out. The morrow. I want to focus back on worry again for just one moment. Anybody know if you're going to be here tomorrow? I don't mean like here in church. I mean alive on this earth tomorrow. Okay? Um, We were just talking about Faith's brother just went to the hospital. Boom, the Lord took him that same day. Okay, I don't know. Maybe a trumpet will blow. How awesome would that be? And none of us will be here on this earth tomorrow. So, how many of you are worried about tomorrow? God will provide the sufficient things, like he said. Everything we need will be there, if we're there. If I decide, uh, I decide, listen, I wish I could decide. Uh, if I open my eyes tomorrow morning, I'm here, God will provide. If I'll, my wife and I are on our way to camping and we drive off a cliff, and that's it, then he doesn't have to provide. I'm going to heaven. But notice he ends with that one thought that says, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So he says, listen, if you're worried about tomorrow, remember what evil was, the definition? It means striving after useless, corrupt, wicked things. If we're worried about tomorrow, it's maybe because we're not focused on the right stuff. If I'm here tomorrow, I know my God's in control and he'll take care of me. If I'm not, then I'm in heaven with him and I got no more worries in the world. I wish I could fully 
wrap my brain around what we just talked about. That we don't have to worry. I really do. It's a great truth, but I tell you one thing, there's part of my brain that's going to worry because I'm human. But we have to train ourselves to focus on what's right. And when that furnace breaks down, or when this happens, or when a member of our family becomes sick, or when we lose our job, or when something else happens and we begin to go, but, 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 we have to remember, nope, God will take care of me. If he takes care of the sparrows, and he takes care of the grass, and if I'm seeking first his kingdom, all the needs that I will have, he will provide. I don't have to worry. Let's pray. Father, we laughed a little as we hummed that song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Father, honestly, if we could understand, and that's where my brain falls short, the Apostle Paul prayed for the people in the Ephesus church that they would be able to comprehend what is the height and the depth and the breadth and the length of the love of God. And honestly, Father, my little pea brain is not big enough to understand how much you love us. But when the Lord Jesus Christ tells us something as so important as this, that if you care for the sparrows and the flowers, and Lord, you take care of this nature, this beautiful, amazing creation, that of course you're going to take care of your own. And so, Father, I just pray for me personally, make that more real to me on a daily basis. That the things that happen around me, there's a reason but the reason is not that I should take thought, that I should be careful, that I should be worried. Lord, you bring circumstances into our lives for a reason. Lord, we need to seek what that reason is. What part can I play, Lord? What are you trying to bring out as an opportunity for me? Not start being concerned about things that really in the big picture in eternity don't matter that much. So, Father, help us to trust you more. Help us to focus our mind on the heavenly, on the one who we trust in. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, all right. Go out, you got a job. Find somebody who doesn't know the Lord and tell them about Jesus. Live your faith in front of them. Grab them by the arm and say, life can be better than it's being right now. Amen? Even the person that might be a little bit um, repulsive in their behavior, sometimes they're, like I said earlier in Sunday school, some though, sometimes those who are the deepest are the ones that need the rescuing the most. Amen? Love you. We're going camping if...